Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro-seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while I weave weird and wonderful science into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition I talk about a new COVID variant... But first, here's news of printed livers and woven TVs. (music) 3D printed livers. A research team from Utrecht University in the Netherlands has successfully made working artificial livers using a newly developed ultra-fast volumetric 3D bioprinting method. They're using hydrogels as a base for the structure, seeded with human stem cells grown into miniature organoid clumps that act like tiny livers. The stem cells are taken from the person who will be implanted with the printed liver, so they're an exact match. The hydrogel is made from gelatin. Volumetric bioprinting involves projecting a series of two-dimensional light patterns onto a cylindrical container filled with cell-laden photoresponsive hydrogel, which triggers polymerization, where the molecules join up in 3D networks. Since this new technique doesn't form the bioprinted organ in layers with a nozzle like previous methods, there's no longer a mechanical pressure on the cells and the structures as they're printed. Instead, the layers are all printed by light in just 20 seconds, in kind of one go. As volumetric printing relies on the precise patterning of light in three dimensions, it's typically only possible in highly transparent materials. Cells at high concentrations can scatter light, which can significantly impede certain kinds of complex prints. To avoid this problem, the researchers developed a new material using a biofriendly compound commonly used in medicine as a contrast agent, iodixanol, which essentially makes the cells kind of transparent. This lets them print densely packed structures of cells accurately. The team made artificial livers bigger than a cubic centimetre in less than 20 seconds by 3D printing the organoids into the hydrogel. Organoids are miniaturized units around 1mm made from stem cells that copy aspects of their tissue of reference. In this case, the detoxifying capabilities of human livers. Normally, organoids can only be tiny, so they've only been of use in research, not as a treatment. The use of light-based quick printing means that the organoids can be kept alive during printing to function in the printed artificial organ. The researchers were also able to create different porous structures that could be perfused with nutrients to replace the role of blood vessels. The researchers were able to experiment with different structures to find those that were the most effective way of getting the organoids to remove toxins from the blood, at least as well as a natural liver, and they hope maybe better. Light-sensitive gelatin embedded with stem cells grown into tiny liver-like lumps 
are structured with light to print a three-dimensional structure that can nourish the liver organoids and help them remove toxins from blood like a natural liver. The paper was titled Volumetric Bioprinting of Organoids and Optically Tuned Hydrogels to Build Liver-Like Metabolic Biofactories and was published in the Advanced Materials Journal. Animated T-shirts A team of international researchers, led by the University of Cambridge in the UK, developed with researchers from LG and Samsung, have made smart fabric flexible full-colour displays with sensors at 46 inches or 1.1 metres wide. The smart fabric is made from fibrous LEDs coupled with multifunctional fibre devices that are capable of wireless power transmission, touch sensing, light detection, environmental monitoring, biosignal monitoring and energy storage. The high-resolution fabric display was made from 120 by 165 colour LEDs mounted onto copper fibres and woven with cotton fibres, line by line, with 20,000 subpixels to increase the resolution. The display, energy storage and temperature panels were woven at one time, while woven radio antenna, biosensor module, light detector and touch sensors were integrated as modules that could be added or removed as needed, like Lego bricks. The researchers plan for electronic textile applications in smart and energy-efficient buildings that can generate and store their own energy. Internet of Things devices, distributed sensor networks, and interactive displays that are flexible and wearable when integrated with fabrics, as well as batteries, supercapacitors, solar panels, and other devices. The paper was titled Smart Textile Lighting Display System with Multifunctional Fibre Devices for Large-Scale Smart Home and Internet of Things Applications and was published in Nature Communications. My dream of a t-shirt with a video display is one step closer. You're listening to Ian Wolf on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. Is it new letter time? A new COVID variant is a third more infectious and seems much deadlier than Omicron. Politics and science have been in conflict from the start of the COVID pandemic. But now the last thing governments want to admit is that a new variant of COVID could be deadlier than Omicron. Omicron is mild, was written by medical scientists to mean that it hospitalises a smaller percentage of infected people than the Delta variant, but just as high a percentage as infection with the 2020 virus. This means that more people die of mild Omicron because many more people are infected. On the back of deliberately misunderstanding the science, conservative governments all over the world have decided to give up all protections and let it rip. This is a source of pressure to not give new names to new variants. In the United Kingdom, the Prime Minister Boris Johnson has ruled that people who know they're infected with COVID no longer have to isolate even one day. They can just go about their lives spreading the disease. Unfortunately, 
researchers have found a new variant of COVID that spreads faster and perhaps leads to more hospitalisation and deaths than Omicron. Omicron is BA.1, and the new variant is BA.2. It's already spread around the world. It can't be distinguished from other kinds of COVID on PCR tests, earning it the nickname Stealth Omicron. A preprint of a paper was published ahead of peer review by a team from the University of Tokyo titled Virological Characteristics of SARS-CoV-2 BA.2 Variant. They confirmed a Danish study from January 2022 that this variant is faster, immune-resistant and deadlier. The preprint was published on February 15th, and despite the science being sound, there's pushback from authorities that don't want to give up their mild COVID. The researchers argue that the new variant is so different to previous varieties that it should get its own letter and be a variant of concern. CNN spoke to the director of the American Center for Disease Control, the CDC, who first denied the evidence. There is no evidence that the BA.2 lineage is more severe than the BA.1 lineage. And then they went on to say they'd keep monitoring findings from papers like these. The World Health Organization denies the evidence with similar words, despite not actually rejecting the evidence in the research. The polymerase chain reaction PCR test looks for three proteins, including the spike protein. But if only two proteins from COVID are detected, you still get a positive result. Omicron doesn't have the spike protein anymore, it's mutated away. So if you have a COVID test that is positive for the other two proteins, but no spike protein, then you have the Omicron variant. As the BA.2 variant does have the spike protein, it can't be distinguished from Alpha and Delta and other variant viruses. This means you can see the person is COVID positive, but you can't identify which variant they have. This becomes important now that the variants have different symptoms and respond to different treatments. Of course, the spike protein that Omicron doesn't have is the basis of all the different brands of our current vaccines. BA.2 has the spike protein, and yet these spike protein-based vaccinations don't stop you getting infected by it. It's not what you'd expect. Omicron starts breeding in your saliva before it reaches your nose, so there's concern that a nasal swab for a home rapid test will give a false negative. The same seems to be true for BA.2. The University of Tokyo researchers suggest BA.2 needs its own test. In a climate where testing is being wound down and test results have literally been thrown away, That's a harder thing to ask for than it was a year ago. This means the numbers of people reported to be infected with BA.2 may well be very underestimated. In South Africa, BA.2 is causing all of the new recorded COVID infections, and hospitalizations are going down, according to reports from doctors. In Denmark, BA.2 is causing nearly 100% of recorded COVID infections, but hospitalizations and deaths are rising, according to recent papers and the World Health Organization. With such conflicting reports, more studies needed to be done. The University of Tokyo study found that BA.2 can copy itself in cells more quickly than Omicron BA.1. BA.2 can cause cells to stick together, 
forming synctia clumps that are more efficient at pumping out more virus than lone infected cells. Delta was able to do this trick, but Omicron hadn't evolved it. Delta's ability to damage lungs so badly is thought to be from this clumping ability, so BA.2 may cause the same kind of lung damage where Omicron didn't. The University of Tokyo team infected hamsters with BA.2 and BA.1. The animals infected with BA.2 got sicker. In tissue samples, the lungs of BA.2 infected hamsters had more damage than those infected by BA.1. The researchers found that the BA.2 group exhibited more symptoms such as body weight loss than those infected with Omicron BA.1. This variant acts quite differently to what we expect from Omicron. The BA.2 variant can infect people who have antibodies from vaccination against COVID and can also reinfect people with antibodies from an infection with any previous COVID variant. Like Omicron, this is a virus that can reinfect you over and over again. BA.2 was found by the researchers to be almost completely resistant to the three monoclonal antibodies that are currently being used against Omicron. This is an immune-evading variety of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The good news was that people who were vaccinated against COVID and who'd also recovered from an infection with Omicron seemed to have a reduced risk of getting infected with BA.2. The question is, how much does BA.2 escape our specific antibodies to a previous infection of BA.2? Kai Sato, a researcher at the University of Tokyo who conducted the study, argues that these findings prove that BA.2 should not be considered a type of Omicron and that it needs to be more closely monitored, given its own letter as a variant of concern. Some researchers agree, but others are wary of how well animal studies can be extrapolated to how a virus affects humans. Of course, that doesn't explain why more people in Denmark a country with very high rates of vaccination, are being hospitalised and dying at a higher rate since BA.2 became the dominant form of COVID. BA.2 has been detected in 74 countries, including Australia, New Zealand, the US and the UK, and in many it's already overtaken Omicron, showing that it is in fact more transmissible. BA.2 has 28 different mutations than Omicron BA.1. The World Health Organization says that one in five new COVID infections is BA.2 in the first week of February 2022. It's been a hot summer in Australia, and many more people have died here of COVID than in last year's winter. But reporters are still broadcasting Northern Hemisphere pundits who pretend that COVID is a winter seasonal illness like the flu. It's not. The problem with a variant that's more transmissible is that it infects many more people more quickly. This means even if it causes hospitalisation or death in a smaller percentage of those people, the absolute numbers of severely ill people would be higher than it was for previous variants. And that's just Omicron. In New South Wales, more people died in January and February 2022, and February's not over yet, than in all of 2021. Certainly, it's not seasonal, and removing all protections just as Omicron arrived was a poor decision. This week, 
we appear to be doing it all over again. The New South Wales government has again removed compulsory mask wearing indoors, tracking, tracing and testing against all medical modelling and advice. The latest evidence is that Omicron remains infectious for nine days, but the New South Wales government only makes you isolate for seven days. The American government for five days, and of course the UK government for no days at all. Having had Omicron or any other COVID variant in the past doesn't protect you from catching the BA.2 variant. BA.2 spreads more quickly, makes people sicker more quickly, and in Japanese hamsters and Danish people, it causes more hospitalizations and death, even when those people and hamsters have been vaccinated or recovered from COVID-19. Does it behave that way in the wider world? We don't know yet. BA.2 is unlikely to get its own letter because that would mean the narrative of mild Omicron would have to end. And that would be very embarrassing for the let it rip politicians. In 2010, Victoria Bond spoke to Robert Boy about the importance of vaccine compliance and the downfall of the Australian Vaccination Network. Recently, the Australian Vaccination Network was given 14 days to place a prominent wording on its website stating that it should not be read as medical advice. This warning was issued following an investigation that concluded that the group promoted inaccurate and misleading information to parents via its website. The Healthcare Complaints Commission moved to investigate the website following complaints, including from a New South Wales couple whose four-week-old daughter died from whooping cough. My name's uh, Professor Robert Boy. I'm a paediatrician and I'm head of clinical research at the National Centre for Immunisation Research and Surveillance, and that's part of the University of Sydney. So you've done a bit of research on um, the effectiveness of vaccines and, and their role in the larger community. Can you tell us a little bit more about them? Well, vaccines are really the safest and the best way to protect young children, in fact, the entire community, against uh, serious uh, infectious diseases that can be deadly. I've been involved in vaccine research for more than 20 years uh, and seen the devastating effects as a paediatrician of diseases like uh, Hib and meningococcal meningitis and blood poisoning, the damage that varicella can do, that cough can do, the deaths uh, that can result from a whole series of infections that until the last uh, 20, 30 years uh, were not preventable. And now that these diseases can be prevented, it's, it's just a tragedy to see a child brought in with a vaccine-preventable disease which is either going to kill them or uh, to damage them severely. Um, so uh, one of my key objectives is to raise awareness of immunisation, the safety, the fact that nothing's uh, foolproof that vaccinations are largely very effective. Uh, we have to look out for, for side effects, but we know that in general vaccines are very well tolerated. So some people would argue that, that these diseases, I mean some of them, the ones that you're talking about, chickenpox, it's just a couple of poxes, it's not that dangerous, especially compared to some of the side effects that um, certain people are claiming vaccines cause. What would be your response to that? Well, there are a number of what we call diseases of childhood, 
including chickenpox, measles, mumps, uh, rubella, which I uh, freely admit for most children is relatively mild. We do not have a test, we do not have a way of predicting which child will get this viral infection, be it chickenpox or measles, very severely and so bad that they're in hospital or may even die. If we knew, then we would only vaccinate the ones at high risk. But because we don't know, because there's no test, because there's no way of examining and predicting this, we have to have universal vaccination. And it was the introduction of universal vaccination which has literally saved hundreds of lives in Australia um, uh, from the, the devastating effects in the small minority of children who can get measles or chickenpox. Let me give you a single example of a father I've only uh, spoken to in the last week. He lost his eight-year-old child from one of the rare complications of chickenpox. There were scores of deaths in previous decades, uh, the 80s and the 90s, from chickenpox before vaccines started to become available on the private market 10 years ago and then uh, about four years ago uh, more widely available because it was funded uh, by the government. So these diseases are in the main uh, mild, but if you're one of that minority who get it badly, then you're so glad that you've been vaccinated. And these are diseases that can be better prevented the more there are vaccinated. So because chickenpox itself and measles are highly transmissible, one person can easily infect 10 others because they're so transmissible. We need to have at least 90% of the population immunized and immune to create a herd immunity, a, a barrier, a chain of protection around vulnerable young children so that even if they're not vaccinated, they can be protected by so many other people uh, being vaccinated. And so uh, for me, it's really important not only that individuals think about their personal protection, but families think about uh, the wider protection within their family and communities think about how they can prevent the vulnerable members from being uh, badly affected by a disease that's easily preventable and safely preventable by vaccination. Professor Boyd, thank you very much. You're welcome. That was Victoria Bond speaking with Robert Boy about the importance of vaccine compliance. In countless ways, directly and indirectly, your product here serves the nation and its citizens, plays a vital role in helping every American to achieve a better way of life, enables or helps him to enjoy healthful recreation have well-trained, obedient pets, make friends, have leisure time for travel, grow bigger crops, get real smoking satisfaction, strengthen our national defense, keep romance from fading away, enjoy smoother shades, live in a more comfortable home, take off ugly fat, achieve success. Thus the... Your name here. Dory. 
A story of refusal to admit defeat. A story of gallant men and women who kept faith and who molded the universal dream of a better life into reality through your product here. The living symbol of our national heritage. A story in the great tradition of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and the other heroic figures who, like your company president here, dedicated their lives to humanity and whose contributions to the betterment of mankind will never be forgotten. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Are you a scientist, artist, biohacker or maker who'd like to be interviewed about your work? Would your company like to sponsor Diffusion? Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. Please subscribe to the Diffusion Science Radio channel on youtube.com slash c slash diffusionradio and rate the show on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. The news music was Rhinos Theme by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 28 stations on the community radio network, including Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM in New South Wales, 8 C in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2MVR in Nambucca Valley, 3MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia, City Park Radio 7LTN in Launceston, Tasmania, and 2XXFM in Canberra. Diffusion is narrowcast on Indigo FM 88 in northeast Victoria. Diffusion is syndicated globally on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com that's www.diffusionradio.com and check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show if you enjoyed the show you can explore more than a thousand previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear make a donation through paypal.me slash ianwolf or Join my patrons at patreon.com slash diffusionradio. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. Everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography, collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.